Welcome to Horror Makes Us Happy, the podcast where we ask the question, what is it about horror that makes us happy? Your hosts are Steve Becker and myself, Chris Whitman, and you can find out more about us at our website, horrormakesushappy.com. Before we get started, a little information for yourself and listeners. These are your trigger warnings. We're going to be talking about horror culture and horror themes, which could include anything from murder, rape, suicide, child abuse, graphic language, graphic imagery, all the fun stuff. But uh, if that's something that you're not quite interested in, then um, maybe take a pass or take a moment and come back. But if that is up your alley, sit back and listen to us talk about some really fucked up shit. Uh, before we introduce our guests, just an uh, update on the schedule. Next week, we're going to be interviewing, or actually later on today, we'll be interviewing Kareem Hussein, cinematographer, writer of Hobo with a Shotgun, Possessor. And then next week is Billy Pond. Next week is Billy Pond, director and producer of Circus of the Dead, Cowboys from Hell, and Dollboy. But this week, we have the pleasure of the company of Adrian Garcia Bogliano, producer, writer, and director of such works as Late Phases, Night of the Wolf, and Here Comes the Devil. Welcome, Adrian. Glad to have you. Hey, I'm really glad to be with you guys. Thanks for having me. Yes. Our pleasure. In this interview, we'll be asking three sets of questions covering your childhood, teenage years, and adulthood to find out what it is about horror that you like as a fan of the genre. Um, we come at it from three different angles because sometimes doing that helps trigger memories that you'd forgotten, mm-hmm. but uh, it's not meant to be a therapy session. So if there's something you don't want to answer, you just say, I'll pass and we'll move on. Um, okay. But starting with childhood, what are some of your earliest memories of scary things? My first pretty scary thing was um you know going to the to to the beach um when i was six years old and mm-hmm. but that's you know kind of and it happened through most of my life i i think that it's it's closely related also to to the fact that i saw jaws the day before mm-hmm. i went to the beach uh for the first time <laughs> so good was, timing yeah, <laughs> probably a weird <laughs> weird timing to do that um um, I don't know. I was uh, the, uh, the only thing I remember clearly that I was kind of afraid of. It was uh, the the heights because I was uh, I was fascinated and afraid of it at the same time because I, I was living in a very tall mm-hmm. building and, and the last mm-hmm. uh, the last floor, and that was mm-hmm. something I was I was kind of attracted and, and, and scared of. Understandable. That's yeah. that's a pretty common one i know i was afraid of heights too well still am yeah yeah or as they say it's not the height it's the falling from them exactly exactly i I used to have a lot of uh, a lot of very vivid dreams of falling from from the window Mm -hmm. yeah it's interesting and like like you said growing up in that environment it's uh it would be easy or, or natural to fall into both things, being scared of that, but also interested in it because you're you're constantly around it. It's it's the outside porch right there, so you always have that that intrigue staring at you from the window of you're very high up, yeah. and then you go out there and it's like, okay, this is terrifying. Absolutely, I forgot about that. Absolutely. <laughs> did your windows open up? Yeah, yeah, I, they did. They oh. did. I, I was uh, yeah, and it was actually it was interesting because yeah, you could you could see very clearly the you know if you just uh, put your head out of it out of the window, you could see a lot of the apartment of the of, of the of the neighbor next door. 
So mm -hmm. it was it was very interesting because mm -hmm. it was very quiet always, and we never knew who that uh, neighbor was. So that was also another mm -hmm. very interesting thing that I, I think that it's it, you know it kind of marked my curiosity for you know looking at other people's lives <laughs> and things like that. The mm -hmm. fact that you can just pop your head and see. Yeah, I can definitely relate. My friends and I, um, pre-pandemic, used to go to this convention in Atlanta, Dragon Con, all the time. And uh, it's it's held at hotels, which are, are in that format where you have like a courtyard and then three wings of hotels around each other. And yeah, you can you can just pop your head out the window and see someone directly across the way. And it is like that. You just kind of have a snapshot of an intimate moment of, of their house or, or their place. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's I, I always found that, you know, very intriguing. It's I, you know, in a way, it's kind of I, I relate that to a kind of a scary thing also because it's intriguing and it's mm -hmm. like what's going on there. Um, you know, yeah. to me, you know, one film that I saw when I was when I was very young was uh, Roman Polanski's The Tenant. And it has mm -hmm. like these scenes of, you know, uh, him watching through the window and seeing things of, you know that are going on on the neighbors' uh, apartments. Did it ever occur to you that other people could have been watching absolutely, you? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> that that made that made me a bit ways. paranoid, also. <laughs> Which is another, yeah, <laughs> it's another story. <laughs> yeah. All right, so uh, we've got Jaws, the beach, heights, mm -hmm. uh, curiosity about other people's lives. Mm -hmm. um, anything else jump out at you is uh, important in your early years? No, I don't. I you know that's that's what I can think of. I, I wasn't I wasn't very scared scared of things really. I was I I grew on a kind of rough neighborhood in Madrid. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, th there was a lot of um, drugs and you know things like that going on. It was a, a little bit like that in Madrid in the in the eighties. It was just you know a very uh, a very short time after the dictatorship ended in Spain in the seventies. <clears throat> so Franco, yeah, you know, particularly the neighborhood that I grew up was pretty pretty you know, sketchy, <laughs> I would say, you know, we would, mm -hmm. we would hang out with my friends on places where we would find, um, syringes of, you know, drug addicts. And, you know, th that would be our, our playground, you know, a place where <laughs> you can find all that stuff. Uh, but I, I wasn't really, you know, uh, scared of, you know, things around me or anything. Yeah. I've lived in a few places like that too. And, and you're right. If you grow up in it, it's not necessarily so scary to you because that's just the way it is. You don't know any different. Yeah, absolutely. Some people are fans of horror from a very early age and, and other people are not. Um, so it doesn't sound like you were really a fan of horror at your childhood yet, um, which is fine. It, mm. It's not, un, you know, it's normal. Um, did you have anybody in your childhood, friends or family who were fans of horror? Oh, I, no, I was a fan of horror. I, I, I was, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it okay. started, it started, uh, early on, but you know, I didn't relate to horror, but you know, through being very scared about the films, this is kind of a, a funny thing. I don't, I don't know. I, the thing is my, my parents, 
they were both related to 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 filmmaking uh, in different ways. Okay. They both met on uh, on film school in Argentina. They had to escape from the military dictatorship in Argentina and they moved to to Spain and that's mm -hmm. where I was born. Um, and they had this you know approach where they would be very um, I think because you know <laughs> probably because of their background of being you know very you know open-minded and fighting against you know <laughs> the dictatorship and everything they had this very open mind and they were open for to to me and my brother my my older brother watching you know really adult stuff you know you we, we would you know sit with them and watch the movies that they were watching mm -hmm. for the most part i mean they there were exceptions obviously but um yeah. you know they they, they sit down and watch cannibal holocaust or anything no not that but you would be surprised <laughs> <laughs> to some of the stuff that we 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 went to to you know to the theaters to watch with them or you know that we watched on television things that were not definitely not not appropriate for for my age but um being a, a little kid and trying to catch up and trying to you know understand as much as possible of those things mm -hmm. and that really you know i think that that made a more positive thing to my mind and my intellect than an, an a negative thing and from the very beginning my approach was you know understanding very you know from very early on that what i was seeing was not real that what I was mm -hmm. seeing couldn't really, you know, come out of the screen and affect me in any way. So what happened was I, I was watching films that are, you know, I, I watched them again, many of them, and I, I realized that were very disturbing. Uh, but mm -hmm. I was watching them from a place where it was, it was a game. It really made my approach to horror, you know, very, very, very playful. I would say. Um, so do you think that uh, you were more logical and casual with uh, scary and horror movies when you were a kid because of your your parents uh, involvement in the film industry? Like, like maybe did they take you aside and explain to you like, see, this is all fake. This is latex and that's fake blood. Or did, did you just kind of naturally fall into it? I, I you know what? I think I, I don't remember having those specific conversations. I think that it was, you know, more just natural. I, I would. I think that the reason is I saw how they react, they react and how they, you know, enjoyed those films. And I saw how my, you know, my brother, who is five years older than me, uh, the way he would see that and approach to that. And I think that that gave me like the, you know, the, you know, the, the idea of how to, how should I react to that? I, that's mm -hmm. the explanation that I can find now that I'm a grown up, you know, but mm -hmm. Yeah, I I, yeah. I don't remember looking back on it. I don't remember specific conversations about you know them them explaining me how things work. However, I I did have access very early on to uh, film film magazines, you know, mm -hmm. of all sorts. So you know, I, I I was used from very early on. I I remember, and this is something that you know, I I met most of my family when I was six years old. Uh, because you know most of my family lived in in Argentina, and you know that's you know, the the moment when we we were able to go back to Argentina after the dictatorship. Um, and they remember clearly that you know I was this weird <laughs> kid, uh, you know, 
talking about all these actors and actresses and filmmakers and all these stuff like I, I was very interested on on you know the people behind the the screen so I, I think that's you know one of the reasons I, I you know I, I took it you know very differently than most people did. So even at six years old, you were paying attention to who the actors were yeah. and the roles they were playing? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, back in those days, my, my biggest uh, hero was Sylvester Stallone. You know, <laughs> it wasn't very, uh, but, you know, uh, it, yeah, I, I, I was very, yeah, aware of that and filmographies and connecting, you know, the, the kind of thing that I think you know, kids and people who were interested in, in films back in the day had to do, you know, before internet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For boys and girls, uh, there are different things in life that trigger this. Uh, I, I, I almost wonder if it's just part of childhood development that, you know, starting to notice, shall we say, a network of connections and understand those connections and how they multiple things interconnect um, is I think a common thing among, for example, sports, you know, what players are on which teams, which mm -hmm. teams are playing each other. Um, the stereotypical thing is for boys, it's sports and for girls, it's, it's interpersonal relationships. Who's dating, who, who's talking to who, you know, right. gossip type stuff. But um, for me, it was music. Uh, particularly I grew up listening to, uh, hip hop in the eighties and, you know, this song would have this sample and then there'd be another song that used the same sample. And maybe this, this, uh, vocalist was guest appearance on this song. And so, you know, for me, it was that for you, it's, it seems like it was the, the art of, you know, filmmaking, like you're saying, and, and the actors and actresses. Uh, and producers and things like that. Yeah. Um, no, uh, absolutely. Yeah. And and later on, it became music. Also, I, I became very invested in music. Also. Mm. Yeah. It's interesting it's, though that it was such an early age. At, you know, like you say, six years old. Because for me, I didn't really get into that until maybe sixth grade. So I must have been like twelve. Right. Yeah, to me to me I think that the thing was my brother was, you know, five years older. So he was around mm -hmm. that, you know, around that age. Uh so it was, you know, kind of more appropriate for him to be watching that stuff. I, I, I'm not sure if appropriate, but you know, more appropriate, let's say. And um yeah, yeah. but for me it was very early on. You know, but I was just, you know, following him and just, you know, that makes sense. In my case, I was the eldest, so I didn't have somebody else to follow. Sure. Uh, so, okay. So you've got friends and family who were interested in film, but were they fans of horror? Yeah. Yeah. My, my, my parents, both of them, they, they, they liked horror. Uh, my father specifically, he would just, you know, go to, the theater and watch the Texas Chainsaw Massacre or watch, you know, not a horror movie, but, you know, a film that he talked about a lot that was uh, Blood Symbol uh, of the Khan Brothers, or he would talk about Phenomena that, you know, my my, my parents went to to, to watch it um, on the theater. Okay. 
Uh, let's see. Did you participate in Halloween at all as a child? No, that was not a that wasn't a thing in in Spain or in Argentina. I, I you know, I at eight years old, I I moved to Argentina, and mm-hmm. you know, I, I lived the you know for for twenty years after that, I lived in Argentina, and it, it neither in in Spain or in Argentina was a a a, a big deal. Halloween. Okay. Understood. We've talked to some other people that have lived in other countries, and some of them did, and some of them didn't. Yeah, it's interesting. Here in Mexico, it's it it, it is a thing. And my wife, uh, you know, for my wife, it, it was a thing when she was mm-hmm. a kid. But yeah, you know, not 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 in not in Spain or in in Argentina, no. Okay. Well, that is a shame. It I is. mean, you have no excuse to, to put up <laughs> sixteen to twenty five skulls in your household. No, that's no, just, absolutely. I, I would have been I would have been very happy as a kid doing that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but you did mention that you felt you were already a fan of horror as a child. Yeah. Um, so, other than Jaws and and you know the Tenant and some of these some of these things were. What stood out to you as, um, you know, in the horror genre, what else stood out to you in your childhood? Well, I, you know, just hearing things from your parents talking about other movies. No, that was, that was one thing, you know, that, that became, you know, material of, of legends, you know, like, yeah, they they would talk about, you know, this and that, you know, I, I remember very clearly when my father went to see a little bit later on, um, Henry portrait of serial killer which was another film. Yeah. I, I got to see that one later. But yeah, we we would watch tons of, of you know, horror movies, especially uh, ever since we got our first VCR. Uh, but actually the first film I went to see to a, to a theater was a horror film. It was a, it was a, oh. yeah, the classic version, not, not, not the 80s one, but the classic version of Cat People by Jack Turner. Uh, that was the first film that my parents uh, took me to to see on a on a big screen. It was in a uh, open air theater in in Madrid. And yeah, I think it was because they were, you know, they had just released a couple of years late uh, before the the new version, the Paul Schrader version, that they were showing the, the original cat people. Um, but then, you know, I I, I think that I think the films that you know impressed me the most in in the horror genre were the slashers. I think you know some of the some of the Friday the Thirteenth Part Four and Friday the Thirteenth Part Six, you know things like that, uh, and and those films really you know really impressed me. And and I you know to this day I have a huge uh, love and appreciation for for. Uh, slasher films, you know, I I, I, ha- I have a lot of fun watching them. They are some of the most fun. Okay, fun fun might be the the thing I was we we're I was going to go towards, but um, I was just about to ask: Do you remember what it was that attracted you to horror at that age? Uh, I guess fun would be a one word. Yeah, I yeah yeah I think. And it's a thing that it has has been a kind of a <laughs> a problem, uh, let's say, all, all of my life because I, I always say that I have fun watching horror films, that I enjoy horror films, that I uh, you know I use different words in Spanish that people relate don't relate 
to horror films. To horror, right? Yes. When I, you know, and, and I can say that you know, at a certain moment, it's it's you know beautiful in a horror film, and people get really you know weird <laughs> about those kind of things. But I, I say that genuinely because I I do feel that way, you know, about about horror. Uh, you know, it, it can make me very happy to to watch, you know, you know, certain joyful films. Uh, you know, you know, when, when when you're a fan of horror and you watch Jason Voorhees kill somebody, you 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 have a lot of fun and you go like, yeah, you know. Uh, and people don't don't usually understand that, and uh, that's always been yeah. kind of a of a problem. People people tries to yeah. correct me like, no, no, you're you're not having fun with that, right? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I, I am. <laughs> <laughs> like you, you can't seriously yeah. enjoy watching this person's throat being slit open and blood splattering. Yeah, yeah. And yes, and it's 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 interesting because it happened to me on my on my teens, for instance, that you know my <laughs> part of my family, not 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 my parents or my brother, but you know other other you know part of my family, my uncles, aunts, uh, cousins, they would they would say like, oh, they're you know they're showing on TV some you know real operation of somebody that they're opening and 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 taking him you know whatever you know some some Mm -hmm. of these like real stuff and they would say like oh you you like that right and i'm like no i I don't like that (laughs) that's not you know i'm not i'm not just you know stopping to watch if a person had an accident you know i I don't like that stuff that that's I, i like movies i like fiction you know I, I gotta say, this is all really getting to kind of the core of, of the whole point of mm-hmm. this podcast is you have two, maybe more, but two main sides of it. Those that look at things that are horrific and macabre and, and they're like, why would you have any interest in it? And then you have those that either through an early influence or naturally are interested in it. And and yeah, things like slashers where people get killed and it's, it's entertaining to them. Um yeah, I was going to say something similar. You know, for me, coming from, I don't know if I mentioned this to you, but Chris is more of the horror fan. I'm more of the psychology buff. And for me, um, you know, people make sense. Even even if they don't make sense to you, to someone else, there's a reason they're doing what they are doing and liking what they like or don't like what they don't like. And once you learn the reason, then they make sense. It, but the only reason they don't make sense is because you don't know the reason. And so that's part of what this podcast is about is trying to find those reasons that, that make it make sense. Or, and so, you know, the one that jumps to mind for me first, I think we talked to Samuel Venisi and, you know, it turned out that he had uh, his whole life, uh, an enjoyment of haunted houses. And it turned out that, uh, you know, and when he was a child, he had a close relationship with his father. Uh, they would do haunted houses at their home uh, together and, and participate in things like that. Right. So, you know, there can be these emotional attachments that I don't think he really had put two and two together until we you know, talked some more about that. Because, you know, we talked through his whole life and there were like three or four different times where he brought up these haunted houses. Um, and I don't even know if he remembered you know, putting that together from his childhood. And so I'm wondering, you know, you talk about really enjoying Friday the 13th uh, and slashers and things like that. There, there's some 
joy there for you. You're talking about joyful and beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it makes me wonder what the emotional reaction there is, or there. I'm wondering if there's some connection to. And it, one of the things the, for, the one of the first things you said was you kind of took some guidance from your parents and your brother about how to react to these things. Um, I don't know if if that's where it ties back to, or if there's something else more particular for you. Yeah, no, I, I think I think it it was like that. You know, it, it was uh, a a fun thing, a fun a funny a fun thing for me. It was a joyful thing. You know, it was like just you know sitting and watching films with my parents and my brother. It would be you know a you know kind of a, a ritual and something that I. You know, I, I, you know, my father had this by just a few months after we, we got our first VCR, he already had like this huge, you know, collection of, of films, you know, and from all different periods of film history, you know, and mm-hmm. I would find that fascinating, you know, just to, to, to try to navigate and to figure out all these different things, you know, from, you know, whatever, from Brazilian cinema of the 60s to, you know, Griffith or Billy Wilder or, you know, Orson Welles, you know, all these things, um, he would read us, you know, he would read us uh, the books that he was reading, you know, like just, you know, the biography of Elia Kazan or the biography of um, Orson Welles. And, you know, of course I was a kid and I didn't understand much of that but i was you know trying to to pick up you know as much as i could which is something that i i feel very grateful with my parents about because i i think that you know trying to to pick up the pace you know and try to just figure out things uh it's it's a very it's a very interesting thing and it's a very cool thing for a kid I think that mm. we're now maybe too concerned with little kids seeing things that are only just for their age. And I, I'm not talking about, uh, you know, inappropriate things. I'm not talking about necessarily, you know, watching horror films, but I'm talking about things that might not be specifically for their age. I think it's cool. I think it's a good thing because it, it makes you, you know, try to try to figure out other stuff it's not just okay this is this is made for me so this is like my you know comfort zone i understand all of you know what i'm watching or what i'm reading no these are things that are not necessarily for me so i have to try to understand and try to try to understand different perspectives which i think that it's it's a great thing for empathy also you know to to try to understand other perspectives of, of life and not just watch the thing that is it's just made for you so yeah. yeah i think one of the most interesting things to me about um about this is before the industrial revolution you know children would go to school but it wasn't to the same degree that we go to school now as a child, as a child. Now you go to school for a couple hours a day. You're away from your, your parents, uh, for a long 
long part of the dot the time. But before that, I mean, you might only go to school for a couple hours or maybe, you know, it wasn't for as many months a year and the rest of the time you were with your parents. Mm -hmm. And so you would learn directly from your parents and it was a more one-on-one experience. You know, they, they say that learning when you're in a classroom of 60 people is different when you're than learning in a classroom of five people, you know, the, the one-on-one teaching element is, is important. Mm -hmm. And also it's important because when you spend that much time with your parent learning what they do and how they do it and how they interact with people, socializing is very important and learning how to, how to do those things is important, but also I'm trying to find how to say this, you know, today there are a lot of people who say, well, I don't want my children to see that because how will I explain it to mm-hmm. them? it's a lot more, it's a lot harder today to have a conversation with your child when you might only have an hour of conversation and then you might not ever talk about it again. But back then you'd be with the child, you know, 16 hours a day, every day for weeks. So you could talk about it all you wanted and you could work it out and, and really have enough conversation to, to be sure that they understood what it was you wanted to tell them. Sure. Um, now, nowadays we don't have that now. Now you get to take your child to, to work one day a, a year and, and that's it. Sure. Uh, sure. No. And, and for me, you know, it was, it, I think those, those early years of my life were, you know, very much like that. Like I had a, a lot of time, a lot of quality time with my parents and I had all these, you know, moments where I could learn a lot of things from them and see what they were interested in. And, you know, obviously just, you know, expose my own interests to them and these kind of things. And it, it, it's interesting because later on in my life, it was, that was harder to do because my parents got, you know, more jobs or things that got them more time out of, you know, out of home and, you know, they got divorced eventually. So I, 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 I saw my, my father, um, much less later on because, you know, I, I was living with my mom. So, um, you know, those, those first years were, were very important. I think on that to, to just, you know, form a lot of the interests and things that I would, you know, yeah, I would be, uh, inclined to for the rest of my life. Just out of curiosity, what do you think your father liked about horror? They were both, um, uh, you know, film students in the early seventies. And I think it was a time when, when people were really open about many different things that were going on, uh, on, on cinema. Um, you know, I, 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 I went to film school myself and when I when I went to film school I, I felt that it was very you know dogmatic and everything was about just certain movements and certain type of films and certain type of, of things um, mm-hmm. but they were I think at that time you know exper- experimenting and, and experiencing very different things uh, and you could have a guy like, you know, Francois Truffaut, who was a god for them at that time, 
you know, writing a book of interviews with Alfred Hitchcock and saying, no, this is this is the guy that you have to, you know, pay attention to. Um, so I, I think those kind of things are, you know, in, in Argentina, you would go to, you know, art house um, theaters when, you know, when, when my parents were young and you would go and, and, and watch a Dario Argento movie, like, a, you know, like an event, like this is the art house film that we have to watch now. So I think that that made it made them, you know, uh, yeah, very very interested in all these kind of, you know, different things. They they wouldn't be very big fans of you know Friday the Thirteenth or things like that, uh, but they they did have a respect for for horror in general. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, like Alien was another of my, you know, parents' favorite film. So you know, Rosemary's Baby. I actually, it's a fun, it's a fun thing because I, 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 I saw Jaws the day before I went to the beach for the first time, and actually, my father took my mother to watch Rosemary's Baby when she was pregnant of my <laughs> of my older brother. So. You know, we had this weird relationship with movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you both can relate on that note. That's, that's funny. Your, your father say, has really, an odd sense of humor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's it's grounding things, you know, bringing them to, to, to real life. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say earlier when you said you went to the beach right after watching Jaws, it's funny, we've... Jaws has come up in uh, multiple interviews here, and typically the response is not to go to the beach directly after watching Jaws. Some people don't even want to go near bodies of water like a pool. Right. I, mm. I myself was scared to take showers after watching Jaws. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. You no, for don't me, care. Just let's, I didn't let's care. Go to the beach. I didn't care. Like the <laughs> next day, I was you know just just yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I was kind of afraid of the water just because it was the first time that I watched it, but I, it didn't cross my mind that yeah, it's gonna, you know, a shark is gonna come and eat me. You, no, I was, I was more afraid of of, of uh, drowning than I was. Of, yeah. yeah. Well, that's a realistic fear. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that's a good thing. Yeah. That that you were realistic about it. Sure. Uh, <laughs> okay, so at least in your father's case, then. Uh, it wasn't that he was particularly interested in horror um, for horror's sake, but like you say, it was more of appreciating the art of filmmaking in the sense that uh, maybe he was enjoying the fact that it was evoking an emotion. how can I say this? Any any emotion in that good art evokes emotion, um, and in this case, he was just recognizing that with horror, it was that particular emotion as opposed to the other emotions that are triggered by different forms of art. Um, yeah, and I think that you know that was very important for me because that's the approach that I had through all my life. I'm a you know huge fan of film in general i love all kinds of movies you know to me i I think one of the reasons why i wanted to make horror films was because i i felt that it didn't have for the most part the love that it deserved that it's always seen like uh you know like the you know little 
uh, brother, <laughs> you know, like the, mm -hmm. you know, this this thing that it, you can take very seriously, uh, and it's 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 also something that happens and that my parents didn't do, which is talking about the classic horror films and deny the fact that they are horror films, which is something that happens very often. You know, when people talk about Hitchcock, they say, well, you know, Psycho, and it's not horror, it's it's Hitchcock. It's suspense. Yeah, it's, it's suspense, suspense, whatever. Yes. And, and, and Rosemary's Baby is not horror because, you know, it's Polanski, it's whatever. Or, you know, The Shining, it, it's Kubrick, it's not horror. And they're trying to justify, you know, the horror films that they like by by mm -hmm. telling that it's not horror which is something that i i, I relate closely and I, I find a bit annoying about the you know this last wave that we've seen of elevated genre which is just a way of saying i'm kind of ashamed of say that i love horror and i have to dress it as something else um you know to be taken seriously uh that that's kind of annoying to me but well, and I think this goes back to what Chris and I were talking about before about the the reason behind this podcast is, you know, a lot of people can't understand why people would like horror. And so because I don't understand that and I don't like it, then the fact that I like this means that this can't be that. Mm -hmm. So it must be something else that, you know, this can't be horror because I like it and I don't like horror. So it's that disconnect that, you know, because they don't understand. Sure. Um, I'm wondering, I guess your father, so your father was enjoyed movies in general that were well done, I'm assuming. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so it was maybe the joy of whether it was horror or not, but the, the joy of it being well done that may have influenced you to also appreciate when something was well done. So let me ask that. How do you how do you identify when a horror movie is well done? Mm. Well, it's something that I, I think that changed uh, through through time, obviously, because I, I you know, I, I would have this approach where I, I would pick things, I would understand certain things about filmmaking and stuff like that, you know, when I was a kid. But they were, they were very, you know, they were very basic, obviously. Uh, and I think that it was when I was, uh, I can't, I can't, absolutely identify the the first moment that i watched a horror film and i realized that you know there was this art form inside of horror mm. films and that was when i when i saw um richard stanley's film das devil das devil uh you know i i, I watched that on vhs on a you know very lousy copy on vhs and yet i was able to figure out to realize that there was an, an artist behind that movie, somebody with a very specific look about the, the world out there and, uh, you know, showing things and doing things that I've never seen before. I've never seen, you know, those landscapes on a horror film. I never saw, you know, many of the visual ideas that I saw on that film. Uh, and that's the moment where I kind of realize everything was not the same. Mm -hmm. There were, there were, it, it wasn't just a matter of what I like or what I dislike, but it was, you know, this other thing that had to do with how the, how the films were made and what ideas and things were, you know, behind the film. 
and that's something that I, yeah i realized when i was i think i was 12 13 i think i was 13 years old yeah i was gonna ask how old you were when you saw that yeah i was i was 13 just to confirm the name of the the movie did you say the stable dust devil uh, uh the oh dust, dust devil, devil. Okay. yeah yeah it's the second film by richard stanley you did mention and and this makes sense that how you defined good has changed over the years that is understandable but we all change as we get older mm-hmm. um focusing for the moment on the childhood part of it what how did you define good or well done in in that portion of your life what were you looking for then you know i think i was looking for you know a, <laughs> exciting things um you know in horror it was particularly there was some sense of 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 uh you know forbidden things and you know obviously you know the amount of blood and if there was some nudity on it or things like that it was it was very you know it's, it was like the fun part that you would talk about with you know with your friends um mm. but but then again i was you know watching other types of types of films so i would you know also yeah look out uh, for for other things that were exciting you know and i think that they had to do with you know also with world building with looking at things you know that were like beyond my imagination or you know places things uh that that were you know interesting that i that didn't have anything to do with my own reality i think that that's Mm -hmm. what i was looking for was there anything that happened in your childhood in real life that actually scared you i can't remember a specific event honestly i um i i i feel like yeah sometimes you know going through certain places on 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 this neighborhood where i lived uh when i was a kid it that was that could be a bit scary at times um i think that you know the 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 most scary you know the the most frightening thing that happened to me when i was a little kid was my my parents divorce for sure Mm. that was really scary uh because you know not only they divorced but first my mom went by herself to 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 argentina to live so you know i was uncertain for a few months of whether i was you know going to see my mom again or when was i going to see her again but that that was that was yeah and i think that's you know the 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 most scary thing that can happen to a kid you know not, not to be close to to his mom or dad so i think that that was right. <clears throat> that was kind of a thing and i think that you know it was closely related to that my mom had a nervous nervous breakdown so i i think this is something that you know has stayed with me through all my life that i have these you know first deep respect and understanding of <clears throat> of mental issues but also this you know scary thing that it's a you know that surrounds that issue the issue of mental health mm-hmm. of just you know losing yourself and not just not recognizing yourself um you know from you know one day to another um i, I think that's something that yeah i, I i've worked with that on on several of my films actually 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just wondering whether or not that had been a theme uh, moving forward in your life. Yeah, yeah. No, th- this th- this is something that I I track and very consciously. I think I track this this theme uh, as something important in my in my work ever since I started. Uh, I started writing uh, screenplays. I started writing when I was, you know, when I was a teenager, and ever since then, I I always have like this this kind of thing of you know somebody e- either directly the issue of mental health or just you know indirectly having these kind of characters that stop recognizing somebody, mm. you know, like which mm-hmm. is basically what happened, and and I think what happens with with when you when you go through a process like this, which is, you know, somebody that, you know, uh, uh, you know, from one day to the next can just act in a completely different manner that you don't understand that you can't grasp. So that, yeah, that's a thing that, you know, in here comes the devil, you know, that's, that's, it's, it's there, you know, and yeah, there are all these, these things that, you know, these movies where I used this theme. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's what uh, really makes even, more uh, effective and better quality filmmaking really is when you do draw from life experiences or you you try to uh, represent something that's relatable you know the the more relatable the more it's going to intrigue and draw your your audience in so it's just going to make the experience that much better well on the topic of being relatable i mean you have to know what it is you're doing and so having had the personal experience, you understand it better. Mm -hmm. If you're trying to write a story about something that you don't know anything about, good luck. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Right. But no, and and this is, this is the thing that I I think it's interesting because when, you know, there are certain films, certain times when I, when I feel like I'm seeing the person who did that through the work, Mm-hmm. Not, not, you know, it, it might not be super clear, but I, I have that impression. Like mm-hmm. I'm watching this guy telling me something about, you know, exposing himself or herself, you know, on the screen, mm-hmm. uh, through the film that this person is doing. And I, I really love that. I'm not talking about, you know, mm-hmm. very, you know, in your face. Uh, um, uh, you know, autobiographical films, but other films that are, you know, between the lines, you can see those things. And that's, you know, that's really interesting to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, in, in that sense, would you say that the uh, the interest in horror could maybe be explained in the fact that it's more of a challenge to to wrap your head around or to understand than other genres, which seem to be kind of spoon fed to spoon fed to you. It should be. I think that that should be. You know, one of the. I, I, I'm not saying the only. You know, the only way uh, horror should work, but that that uh, that should be one of the f- you know main things about horror. Yes, and I, I honestly feel that that's something that I feel. You know, we have been lacking for the most part. Uh, lately, because I, I feel that many people confuse, you know, the film or the work with, you know, with with the persons behind it. I'm, I'm not, and I'm not going to talk here about, you know, whether if you should support or not work by people that have, you know, problematic behaviors in their lives. Not, not talking about that. I'm talking about the fact that people think that they should be very clear about their how how good how good they are 
they should leave that very clear on their movies. So if I'm just, mm. you know, this nice person that I, I think that, you know, that I have to put that very clear on my movies. And I think that that's, that's, that's far from where what we should be doing in horror. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm really, and I feel that way about myself that I'm a really easygoing person on my, on my, you know, on my personal life. But I like to be confrontational on films because I think that's kind of the, the thing that, you know, horror should have. Maybe not, not in all of the films, but in some of them, I, I like people, you know, I like to put these... Push the boundaries. Un- yeah, put these uncomfortable things on, on films, you know, because I, I think that's part of what horror should should be doing. And, you know, I, I'm sorry if some people looks at that and thinks, oh, you know, Adrian must be a, you know, fucked up person and you know he's yeah i'm sorry if they feel that way uh, you know they should know me personally but yeah i don't i don't really care you know i i what i care is about putting something out there that it's you know interesting and moves the audience yeah and some people like to express themselves in ways that uh align with who they are and other people like to express themselves in ways that allow them to explore being different than who they are, you know, and there's nothing wrong with either one. It's just a choice. No, absolutely. I think it, it shouldn't come from, from self-censorship. You know what I mean? It shouldn't come from, yeah. well, I'm going to lose uh, 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 followers on Twitter. Or external censorship. Yeah. Or external yeah. censorship. Either. Yeah. 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 <laughs> just, just, it shouldn't come from there. I mean, whatever works for you. If you, if you know, if you just want to make like feel good movies, I'm okay with that. You know, it's, that's fine. And there is, uh, you know, this, this place of, you know, feel good horror that it's also, it's great. And I've, I've done some of that too, but I think that it shouldn't come from just, just, you know, trying to you know with this idea of confusing you know that if you're if you're showing something it's because you're a you know a bad person so you have to be very clear that no i'm a good person that's the kind of thing that i i think it's you know it doesn't it doesn't help um you know creating good art really you know, I was I was ready to move into the teenage years, but you just said a phrase that I have to ask about: feel good horror. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what is feel good horror? There is feel good horror, of course. <laughs> <laughs> what what is feel good horror? Explain you know, it's, that it's one. horror that gives you the feels. It's, it's uh, you know, you may have one moment where someone's getting split in half by a bandsaw, but at the same time, maybe it's a coming of age story where some kid falls in love with a, a, a love interest and you know it's, it's absolutely it's feel good absolutely and also <laughs> when you cuddle when you cuddle freddy afterwards yeah, yeah. you know and these are these are the films where where after you watch them you feel good that you are alive it wasn't me <laughs> you know it was it, 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 yeah. it left you with a with a sense of you know that was a a fun a fun thing that was like just going into a uh, uh, a ride on the, you know, on on a roller coaster. Roller coaster. Yeah, the, you know, yeah. I, I, f- I feel that way. I mean, because it's it's the same. I mean, with the roller coaster, there are these moments where you think I'm gonna fall off this thing and I'm gonna die miserably, and by the end of it, you're just exhilarating, and you know, you're you had a, you know, you were scared maybe for a, for a moment there, but you had a lot of fun in the, you know, the whole 
the whole thing was fun. You know, I, I, I did, uh, when I was a teenager, I did uh, bungee jumping. And it was kind of the same mm. thing, you know. Uh, mm. you know. It's like this moment where you're just falling and you're saying, okay, that's the end. <laughs> and then you're, you know, you're... you're I survived. You're yeah. yeah, of course. So moving into teenagers then, um, and, you know, thinking about some of the things that we've talked about and how they impacted your life. Um, what kinds of things in the horror genre were impacting you in your teenagers what stands out to you is wow i really like this or i really like that well it was, it was very difficult i think a very difficult time when i was a teenager because i i i i had already seen you know a lot of horror films uh mostly of the 80s uh, which some people mm-hmm. consider a minor moment on in horror but i i love the 80s horror i mean it's probably not as good you know, comparatively with the seventies horror, but it's, it's a lot of fun. That's, you know, for what yeah. we're talking here. 80s horror was definitely more fun. Yeah. 80s, everything was more fun. Yeah. We took things less seriously. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what happened was when I was a teenager in the first half of the nineties is that, um, you know, the horror genre, you know, had a, had a, yeah, it had a big crisis, honestly, like the first half of the nineties, you, you watch it, uh, you know, you know, most of the masters of horror didn't really know where to go or didn't have a, a, a strong place where they were in the 70s and 80s. They were not there anymore. They were kind of stumbling and figuring out what to do. And there was not, you know, a very a very big, uh, you know, new generation of, of directors coming. So I, I, I kind of struggled with that, I have to say, for the first half of the of the decade and I moved my interests more also towards music and towards um, other genres also you know that's the time when I you know I discovered you know Quentin Tarantino and you know some other some other people some other filmmakers I, I started to be a to become a big fan of Brian De Palma who you know had some horror films but also had you know more you know suspense or even comedies and things like that so I, I started you know, trying to go in, in different directions at that point. Mm. Okay. When did you feel it started coming back? I think it was, you know, in the second half of the nineties, I think that, you know, definitely with scream and the, the, you know, what, what, what scream generated, uh, you know, we, we started seeing some, some interesting stuff that it wasn't still quite my thing. I, I think that I re connected very strongly and probably the reason that I started directing was because I wasn't connecting that strongly with the things that I was watching. There is this change in the look of the films. Image became, I don't know how to explain it exactly, but not like softer and you could Mm -hmm. see everything. Uh, They were, they were light more in a, like a t like tv sets where you could see everything even if you watch a film like scream you can see everything yeah i think i see what you're talking about it's like it was yeah it, it, less less dirty absolutely. less filters and like you said it looks more like a set because the lighting is much brighter you can see every angle of everything absolutely if you watch a film like friday the 13th part one which it, which looks great i mean I, this is one of the things that misconceptions that what one could have you know 
back in the day when you watched Friday the 13th one on VHS, it looked terrible because you know it was really dark and you could see you know you could barely see what was going on but when you watch it now on you know blu-ray when you watch it the way it was meant to be seen um you see that it's it looks great it's it's really cool but it's also this kind of thing where you know you have these you know the cabin and a you know a, a very bright light on the cabin and there's nothing around that cabin you know it's everything is dark it's just pitch black around and that that you know that gives you a very different feel like you don't know what's gonna happen where it's gonna you know come from you know the the scare where it's going to come from if it's going you know what's happening in that you know on on all that those dark spots and i think that in the early 2000s there were a few films that started to you know take this in, in, in consideration and they started, you know, uh, yeah, being, you know, being darker, having this more, you know, gritty type of, um, look. And, and one of the reasons why I started directing was because I, I, I felt that way back, back then, like I was, I couldn't, you know, grasp exactly what was going on, but I felt like I wasn't watching the type of film that I that I wanted to to see as a horror fan, so I. Um, so let's see, but you didn't start directing until nineteen. How old were you when Scream came out? I was I was uh, sixteen years old when Scream came out. Okay. Yeah, I was I was sixteen. Um, I um, yeah, I had already started writing screenplays, but that by that time, um, that was you know my my way of approaching film because i you know i didn't have money or resources to have a camera or anything like that so i just i would just write mm-hmm. and write and write and i you know i wrote like uh, yeah five uh yeah five feature film screenplays by the time i was you know 17 i think okay so you were already planning on being the change you wanted to see in the world mm-hmm. uh, and it sounded like other people uh, maybe started getting some of the same ideas because you say, you know, late nineties movies were starting to come out that were more in line with your tastes. Yeah. Um, other than scream, what else jumped out at you? Late, late nineties, uh, Blade Witch project was a film that I was really impressed with. Um, Blade Witch, Blade Witch is one of the few films that really scared me. I, I, you know, as much as I love horror, I don't, I can count the amount of times that I got really scared with the movie through my mm. entire life. And Blair Witch was one of those. And it's one of those things that only horror fans can understand because I, I, I was, you know, by the end of the film, I was absolutely scared. I was, I was, trem- mm-hmm. I was trembling and I went with a, with a friend and, you know, we, we, we got out of the theater in shock. We were trembling still. And like, we we looked at each other and we said, "Let's get another ticket and let's go back again." <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it's just like the roller coaster. Of course, you're scared about it at first, and then afterwards, I want to go again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, this might be jumping around the timeline, but I'm curious since you brought up that there was a small list of movies that actually scared you. Why don't we go down that list and? I'll just make a note of what they were. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I I could say I you know I don't 
remember, probably Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I think, was the, the first one. The ending of Texas Chainsaw was another another of those. Uh, I saw that when I was like, I think, 13 years old. I don't, I can't really think of anything before that that I was really scared about. Um, and, and then I would say, obviously, Blair Witch. I would say a film that it's not considered a horror film but i think it is a horror film it's uh, irre- irreversible by gaspar noe oh, yes. irreversible was another film that really freaked me out so much and um i would say Sh- uh, shutter the 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 korean film uh that was remade in the u.s later on shutter this um of the photographer that realizes Sorry that I'm spoiling it, but realizes at the end that the girl he's carrying the girl around uh, on on his shoulders. That moment freaked me out so much that like the ending of that movie was was really I got really scared with that. And I would say in the last few years, um, the scariest film I've seen by far is The Evil Within uh, by um, Andrew Getty. This this really strange film that the this millionaire that was, uh, um, yeah, from the Getty uh, family. Uh, he made this with mm-hmm. his own money, and it's a really strange film and really, really scary. I think I've seen that one. I'm not sure. It's really weird. It's really weird. It's this film that this guy, you know, he was on, on you know, he was on Crystal Meth, a millionaire who spent all of his money doing this film through, you know, I think it was like 10 years and he died before the film got finished and somebody finished, finished it. And it it didn't have a lot of, you know, it didn't, you know, uh, had a lot of repercussion, unfortunately, but I, I, I feel like it's, you know, it's, it's a really weird and really, really terrifying film with a lot of, you know, great visual ideas. Uh, Without maybe spoiling anything, what, what scared you about it? Of, of that film, yeah. There's so many, so many creepy images in there. It's just that that film, in particular, is like a you know a roller coaster, and it has this thing that I I didn't feel since I'm I was a kid. This this thing that that seventies films, eighties films uh, have that it's anything can happen, which is I think the best thing that a horror movie can give you the idea that anything can happen that you don't know what terrifying surprise is waiting you you know around the corner and this is what what the evil within has to me uh because it's a film that it it, it has these edges where it's kind of you know a little bit amateurish he was a self-taught director so there are mm-hmm. rough things there that are not very you know, professional, but that's the interesting thing about it. Because as it's not by the book where everything is perfect, everything is correct, everything is the way it's supposed to be, that I think that takes out the 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 thrill of a horror film. Right, because it's, it's the same formula that most films and stories follow. So. Exactly. Yeah, I see your point. Exactly. And in so. terms of in visual terms it's also it translates to this kind of thing that, you know, coverage which is a, fi- uh, a word that i hate you know that directors use which is very standard and you know that if you have the shot of a character you're gonna have 
the reverse shot and eventually you will have uh, you know also your establishing and your, your and your two shot these things even if you don't know anything about you know film language you recognize this you you realize this and it's i mm-hmm. i love the fact that you know film like uh the evil within really you don't know you you don't know what's next you don't know you, it's so everything is so weird and so creepy that it really keeps you out of balance this is you know i i i've tried to do that kind of thing you know a couple of times and it it gained me the the reputation of being a director that doesn't know how to shoot a movie like you know with here comes the devil it happened to me a lot like people you know film critics sending me to film school uh, and I was like, I, I I know that this is not the you know the the normal way to do the scene. I, I know that I'm it's not mm. that I'm unaware of it. It's just I'm trying to do something. It's a choice. It's a choice. I'm trying to you yeah, know to, to keep you out of balance a little bit. You know, mm. uh, so you yeah. didn't break the 180 rule, did you? <sighs> I did actually. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did, I did a couple of times, uh, on, but on purpose, on purpose. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If it's on purpose, that's okay. So it's interesting. I'm starting to hear some common themes um, that I would describe as the complete unknown. Um, You mentioned in the evil within that, you know, the thing that you liked about it was this feeling that you got from the seventies and eighties of anything can happen. Um, You mentioned earlier, uh, you know, not just horror, but all films, you know, the image changed. You could see everything and what you liked about the earlier films was the darkness and what's, what's in the darkness, the unknown. Um, it kind of reminds me of something that you said, you know, from the childhood, the part of being scared of heights. It's when I think about the unknown, I get the same feeling of when I'm looking over the edge of, from a great height, it's that, mm-hmm. that fear of that being right on the edge, waiting for the drop. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, right. absolutely. So let's run through some other questions here from the, from the teenage years. Did you have any friends at that age uh, who were also fans of horror? I did not. I did not. No. Okay. And you said that you were going to film school. Did you, how old were you when you started going to film school? Well, I I actually started to go to film school when I was, 13 years old just like watching the the film classes there mm. just uh, again as i was tall and i looked you know a little bit older i i just sneaked in the in the classes and just mm. took classes there like yeah just just watch them of you know filmmaking and and production and screenwriting things like that and as you say by the time you were 19 you already had started directing so moving into adult years, uh, what has impacted you as an adult in horror? I, I it, it started with Gaspar Noé, actually, with the film he did before Irreversible. I saw it on, okay. on a theater and I was absolutely, you know, impressed by it. I was, I was really thrilled. I was shocked. Uh, and I think that I was, I was very interested in that moment on, you know, more on European uh, filmmakers. I think also uh, Michael Haneke's Funny Games was, um, you know, huge, huge influence at that mm-hmm. point. Um, you know, the, the, a, a lot of French films came at that 
time, um, you know, from the more well-known like high tension and things like that to um, other ones that I, I really enjoyed. Like um, there was this, this uh, filmmaker, Marina Devan, who made a, an amazing uh, debut film that was called In My Skin. That, that's a film that mm-hmm. really, really uh, impressed me. And, and I, I thought it was really scary and interesting. Uh, what did you like about I Stand Alone? I Stand Alone had this, this thing also that it, it was really brutal, really strong, but at the same time was very playful in a weird, demented way, you know, because it, it dealt with really difficult subjects, incest and, you know, racism and, you know, very, very triggering things but it had like these very visual elements that that were you know you 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 realized very quickly that you were being provoked that this was kind of just you know provocation but it was really well done and you know really well acted but it had like these moments like when when it's not it's not a big spoiler you know when the when the film is about to end and you've already endured something really, really difficult through the whole film. But when when you're going to the last sequence of the film, they put a clock on the on the screen, and they tell you, okay, you have thirty seconds to leave the <laughs> to leave the theater because the afterwards is going to be like the worst part of this film <laughs> you had this this it's a challenge this, this clock yeah it's a challenge and you're like just your expectation increases you know it's not just a you know like like you know like a gimmick like that that somebody you know uh, from you know uh, uh, from the 50s could use on a on a horror film but it's this like mm-hmm. okay this is a really tough film and now they are warning me about this and you know I, I don't know what to expect there was something about that that i thought it was it was really you know really provocative and really interesting and you know i yeah. I, I enjoyed it yeah it almost sounds like it would lessen the effect of the film at first you know because you you know when the end is coming but in a way it does heighten the tension because you see how much time is left yeah and and what's going to happen how, how are they going to wrap this up and say a minute and 30 seconds yeah yeah I, and and gaspar Noé is, is really a master of doing that because you know he 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 did it again with with irreversible by you know starting with the climax of the film you know yeah. it's like just throwing you the, the the most brutal things at the beginning and just ending like a you know almost like a romantic film um mm. so yeah it's mm. it's you know it's very interesting so when you say it was playful uh, in a demented way, you're talking about from a film filmmaker point of view, not so much the the actual content of the script and, and screenplay. Yeah, I think that uh, you know the 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 form of the movie was very playful. You know, it had these these elements that were really provocative. Um, it had these like impacts in the middle. I don't know how to describe them. Like it, it's a very you know, uh, it has these long shots where just, you know, people walking and just going 
from one point to another and then it has like these moments where it, it it uses several shots in one second and they go with a with a loud bang that makes you jump off the seat uh you know but it's like just every time just like putting you on on the edge uh and it's like you know just just playing like that with an audience make them part of the you know of the of what they're watching not 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 allowing them to you know be comfortable yeah exactly that's that's mm-hmm. you know something that i always felt it was amazing you know and I, actually when i saw the film uh, gaspar noe was was there and he actually he managed to get the the sound and in the theater at, at a really really loud level he, he tested it and, <laughs> and i would have slipped the guy a five yeah and i had and i also had like just like to make it like a, a a more immersive experience for some reason i had gaspar's father sitting behind me and every time that something happened in the screen he would kick my <laughs> i see <seat>. it <laughs> It's like kicking like my seat every time. Uh, so it, it was really immersive, really immersive. It was like for the kind of fear. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So what about In My Skin? In My Skin had like this amazing, you know, coming from a, from a female director that, you know, I hadn't seen up to that point uh, female filmmakers doing horror, you know, with the mm. exception of... Uh, Amy Jones with Slumber Party Massacre or, or Catherine Bigelow with uh, Near Dark or, you know, some some things, but not, not many. And I felt that this was a different universe. Like, uh, this was finding somebody, you know, who had a completely different perspective to anything I've seen before. And also, she 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 is the, the protagonist of the film. She's the, the lead mm-hmm. in the film. I would say she... Maybe the protagonist and the antagonist, really. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. But th- there is this thing about her, you know, being the director and the actress there, that it's mm-hmm. kind of you know exposing herself in this way that I, I was talking about before. You know, like artists showing you a world, and and you kind of see interesting things uh, that you can kind of read or make your own reading. Maybe it's not accurate, but about, you know, who that person is and who that artist is and what the intentions are. To go back to the list we talked about a minute ago, how old were you when you saw Blair Witch? I was 19, I think. Yeah. And Irreversible? Irreversible, I was, uh, I think, 22. Shutter? 23, 24, something like that. Evil Within? Evil Within. It was uh, five years ago. I was like 35. Okay. So these were all adult pretty much? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I will move these down here. Um, Some of the questions that I would normally ask here, we've already gone through. Um, Looking back now over your entire life, and the next two questions I'm going to ask, they're not just related to horror. It could be any genre. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite movie and what movie have you seen more times than any other? Huh? Um, I think, you know, I, I think my two favorite movies, I can't really say one over the other. I think there are two that are really close 
together mm-hmm. okay. that are uh, dust devil by, by Richard Stanley and and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, I think those two films are are films that I can go back over and over again. You know, my my favorite filmmaker is Brian De Palma by far, but I think that these other two films are are films that I I can constantly go back to. In terms of horror, I would say that the film that I've seen most times, more times in my life, uh, curiously enough, is not a horror film. It's it's Alice in Wonderland. It's the uh, uh-huh. Walt Disney, yeah, Walt Disney version of Alice in Wonderland. I love that film so much, and uh, mm-hmm. it's funny because it it was one of the very few films for children that I that I really loved being a child mm. uh, when I saw mm. it I saw it when I was a kid and I loved it I fell in love with that film right away um, and and it didn't happen to me that much with many other you know Walt Disney or you know films for kids mm. I, I, I would watch them I would say they're okay but I you know let me watch Blade Runner instead or let me watch <laughs> you know Angel Heart um, <laughs> what do you like about it so many things, so many things. But I think that it, you know the 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 at the core of it, it's something that I've you know already said that it's this thing that it's you don't know what's going to happen next. Anything, mm-hmm. anything can happen. And we ask these two questions because sometimes the answers align with uh, the things that you've already said. Sometimes it highlights something new. In this case, it it underscored something that you had already said, so that that works. Mm-hmm. Um, do you see a, any common threads about what kinds of horror you like? Cannibalism, occult, metaphysical? I don't think I don't think there's one type of film that I am you know I'm focused in. But I I enjoy you know you can throw at me any slasher and I would I would I will watch it and I will you know have some fun watching it. Okay. I think slashers for some reason it's something that always gets me always works for me uh so the next question is do you have any idea why it is that you like that um and i'm going to guess it's probably again because you don't know what's coming <laughs> don't know what's next i i think that's you know that's that's something that it's it's really important and when you when you when you go back to why you know horror stories you know these 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 campfire tales and things like that were amusing for you when you were a kid or when you started having an interest in horror it was because of that it was because you didn't know where it was going having identified the unknown as something that interests you why horror because for example you could delve into the unknown in sci-fi mm-hmm. or other genres yeah so what it is what is it about horror i i think i think it was you know uh, it, based on the fact that it was the underdog yeah mm-hmm. in, in 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 you know the countries where i grew up it was the underdog also in spain it happened um uh, in spain you know there was a big tradition of horror that was very commercial and was very successful up until the mid 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 80s mm-hmm. and then and then something happened where it became a you know a bad world you can't say that you like horror. You can't make horror mm-hmm. in Spain. It was just a few years, you know. Be, I would say between mid '80s and the early '90s, but it was you know a, a moment where it's, 
I was, you know, I was growing up and I was watching what was going on. Was it related to the satanic panic? I think that it was a very political thing. It was, you know, this change in the tide where the the state became very important and, and started to intervene a lot in the in the production of films, and they decided that they didn't want to make horror films that those were not important and suddenly you know an industry that was really big and you know like the biggest as far as i know you know up until the late 80s the biggest uh, the highest grossing spanish film ever made as far as i know was pieces uh you know uh slasher made in english that it's really <laughs> fucking weird and you know and, and that was the that was the highest grossing film and um you know but they suddenly decided really? that that was not what they what they wanted to do and it took a few years until you know alex de la iglesia appeared on on the stage and i was lucky enough you know uh, they just released this thing that i want to get my hands on the the 4k restoration of the day of the beast which is a film that i will uh, uh definitely recommend to our to your audience you know if they haven't seen it they have to see it you know it just as uh, um Severin just released a 4k restoration on the day of the beast the day of the beast was a game changer it's interesting that you brought up the underdog element because i thought you were going to go in a different direction what i was expecting you to say is that horror is the only genre of of those that would let you really go into the uncomfortable area that we talked about earlier yeah no it, it is it is definitely a, a genre that allows that for sure and that's that's something that's really interesting to me but then again you know that you you can you can do that on on other genres okay well, I think we've found some pretty good answers for you in terms of what it is that you like about horror in terms of, you know, it being uncomfortable. And I think I forget what the other one was. The, the uh, challenging aspect of it, the underdog. There was something else. I know it's in, I know it's in the call, but I just can't remember <laughs> what it was off the top of my head. What is also well, in this call is several examples of films I am going to have to see. Thank you for that. Uh, the square right. looks very interesting. Yeah. A lot of yeah, uh, almost Kubrickian angles and just, tight close shots mm -hmm. it, it looks very tense yeah it is it is you know what i just remembered the uh, we had skipped uh, we didn't uh give you a moment to pitch whatever it was you were going to pitch at the start of the call i think we just yeah. jumped right into the interview <laughs> that's my bad i realized that oh it's, halfway through. It's, it's fine no it's fine i i know i'm i'm actually you know just right now i'm i'm kind of just enjoying uh a, a really cool uh a moment in in my in my life and my career i have to say because i i had released two different things in the in the last month um we released here in mexico my latest film that it's called play with me it became a really big hit uh and it's it's been doing great it's been on the top you know top three films uh in theaters and i also nice. had yeah and i also had like this week i released a, a really uh fun and very different to everything i've done so far a really fun series i made for netflix it's called haunted latin america it's it's about uh people who had like you know supernatural experiences in their lives in in different parts of latin america and it has become a really 
you know, successful um, thing. It's now on the top, also on the on the top three of the uh, in Netflix in here in Mexico, uh, and it, it actually yes. a couple of days ago made it into the top ten in the U.S. of the most popular Netflix shows. So yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm really excited about that. I'm just I'm glad that we got you on the show now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, it, it's, a, it's a fun it's a fun moment for me. Really, it's a, I'm really excited. I'm sure things will just continue to get better. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> That's the idea. So thank you for your time. Yes. Uh, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. No, I, I had a lot of fun doing this. I, I enjoyed it a lot. It's, it's, it's interesting to think about, you know, these different aspects that you don't, you don't get to talk about too much. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That was one of the reasons that we wanted to do this too, is because that's what we thought. This is not something that you hear a lot of people getting to talk about. No, it's great. So thank you. Thank you to anybody out there listening. Please do come visit us at horrormexishappy.com. Uh, we've got a list of people there we'd like to interview. If there's anybody you'd like to see added to the list or if you can help us get in touch with anybody on the list, uh, let us know. Hit us up on social media. Come buy some of our merch. Support us on Patreon. Whatever you like. Uh, horrormakesushappy.com. <laughs>